Well, this month we've been exploring the theme of rejection in the Bible. And we've done it through the lens of Jai Jang, who's written a book called Rejection Proof, who became an expert at rejection after he was denied this dream of trying to start his own business when he thought he had the plan all together, a venture capitalist finally said no. And that rejection put him in a state that he wanted to understand how he might keep that from impacting him in the future. And it put him on that path to, to start a video blog to record experiences and decided to do 100 days of rejection experiences. He came up with some crazy ideas. And what he learned along the way really surprised him, especially on day three, just day three of that experiment, when he walked into a Krispy Kreme donut shop. And I want to, we've been talking about this uh, video, but I wanted to show it firsthand because I think it gives us a spirit that helps us move into the message today. So watch and enjoy. I'm driving toward Krispy Kreme. I'm going to ask them to make me some specialized donuts. And uh, we'll see what happens. What kind of specialized donuts are you talking about? I like to have uh, getting a, uh, you link the five donuts together, make them look like Olympic symbols. Oh. And when are you looking to these? Huh? When? Uh, the next uh, 15 minutes. Just normal, normal color is fine. Do you want this linked? Yeah. I don't know if we can do that. I got it. I was like, I didn't even pay attention to the Olympics this year. <laughs> no, just the, you got the five donuts together, look like a Olympic like, symbol. Was it this way this year? Something like that. That will work. Just link any five donuts together. It's going to be awesome. It's going to take me longer. How long? Because I've got to catch them on the other side. And then they've got to get through the proofer and then drop the desire. Red, green, yellow, blue, maybe white? Was it white? Could be. That sounds right. Oh my gosh, I haven't watched the Olympics in so long that I'm... I may not be able to link them, but uh -huh. maybe make them look like they're interlinked. Okay. That would be great. Because the only thing I'm worried about is if I try to put those through the proofer, they will unsettle. The okay. And they'll end up falling. And then once they hit the fryer, you've got a divider. And if they hit that, they're going to get stuck. You know what I'm saying? If you can make that, you're going to make my day. Okay. 
What do you think? Wow. That is really good. That is really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the best I could do with what we've got. No, it's good. It's, it's, uh, it's good. It's more than, uh, than I thought it would be done. Um, so, great. <laughs> All right. So, uh, do I pay there? Don't even worry about that one's on me. Are you serious? Dead up. You serious? Very. Extremely. Wow. Extremely. That's my pleasure. All right, Jackie. I'll, 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 take, I'll take it. But, man, you make me really happy today. All right. Thank you. Very All well right. Welcome. See you. Give me a hug. <laughs> Enjoy. Okay. All right. Thank you. See you. Welcome. Well, what's noteworthy about this video is that actually Jai got rejected while trying to get rejected. And and that rejection ended up leading to a whole mission. It First of all, taught him that humanity uh, isn't worth saving, as he suggested. It's not as bad as he thought. But he also learned that this rejection therapy journey was going to be a whole different ballgame than he imagined. He just thought he was going to get enough rejections, he'd become desensitized to the whole process and, and handle it better in the future. But he discovered that negative experiences sometimes, that rejection can lead to what we want to achieve in life, to meet the goals that we have. So the first week of this series, we've talked about how to survive rejection. Last week, we talked about what we can learn from rejection. Today, I want to focus how God is able to take these rejection experiences and sometimes guide us and even fuel us to find our purpose in life. I mean, that's certainly what happened to G.I. Jane. After he uploaded that video to YouTube and his video blog, added a few nice thoughts about Jackie Braun, he was hoping that just a few hundred people might see it and feel a little better about humanity. But now he compares this Krispy Kreme experience to the Apostle Paul's Damascus Road experience. He says, after this video, everything changed in his life. It altered how he looked at the world. He said he felt almost like a new person. He never considered the possibility that with these rejection experiences that somebody would actually say yes. And so his focus shifted from just getting a rejection and coping with that ensuing pain to finding the courage to ask for big requests. He stopped caring so much about whether he got a yes or a no. He started to care a little bit less about what other people thought about him. It was the beginning of being liberated. Well, that Krispy Kreme experience so fueled Jai's experiment that it became a mission that touched millions. Within a couple of days, this video was on reddit.com. Somebody had posted it. It stood there for two days, which is very rare for Reddit. It then was picked up the following week and put on Gawker, msn.com, Huffington Post, the United Kingdom's Daily Mail, and the Times of India quickly followed suit. The Krispy Kreme Company even honored Jackie Braun with a tweet that said, Yes, well done, Jackie. Hashtag heart Jackie. And Jai and Jackie ended up even making some TV appearances together. And Jai was bombarded with interview requests. He became known as the Rejection Whisperer. Or the No Man. And it catapulted him into the spotlight they didn't ever expect or even wanted. 
But then that video went so viral, it had 2.5 million views within a few days. If you go to that video now, you'll find it's had 5.8 million views, even years later. And so his mission continues. That journey happened in 2012, and eight years later, he's still on a mission. He was one of the featured speakers at the Global Leadership Summit, which has 445,000 participants each year. You can go to his website, www.rejectiontherapy.com, and you'll find his new Dare Me app that uses everyday challenges to make self-development fun. Well, Jai's journey helped us discover some key insights that we all can learn from. And the key thing that he wanted us to understand is that rejection is just an experience. It is just an opinion. And it's up to you to define it for yourself. If you can find a way to detach the emotion that comes with it and, and make sure your self-worth is not determined by those rejections, then you have the power to look at those objectively. And, and control what you can control and all the opportunities you have in which you're making requests of other people. But you have to take that emotion out. Just a few examples. Think of all the people in this world that experienced rejection that turned out later to become life's great inventors. People like Galileo and his scientific experiments that were considered heretical. He was imprisoned, and now they're common sense. Or how about Vincent van Gogh? whose paintings now sell for millions of dollars. You know, in his lifetime, he was considered a failure as an artist. But here's the thing. When it comes to our world, companies and organizations, parents, teachers, our society as a whole, we do a lot of lip service about creativity and thinking outside the box. But the bottom line is, when creativity really happens, it's often met with rejection because it disrupts our orders and rules. There was a study done by the University of Pennsylvania psychologist Jennifer Mueller, and she found that no matter how much we say we love creativity, on a conscious level, we subconsciously despise and fear it because it presents a level of uncertainty. As human beings, we crave certain and predictable outcomes, and we have tendencies to cling onto traditions and conventional wisdom. Well, based on the scripture that was read today, I'd say the Apostle Paul was trying to redefine rejection. We talked last week about Paul with all the experiences of rejection that he went through in his life. We had a list that went on and on, beatings and even a stoning. And we share that list of rejections because we want you to know that he is a rejection expert. And today he celebrates that suffering by saying, we even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Taking pride in our problems might seem a little bit of a stretch, doesn't it? It is a hard place to get to. It might even seem a little strange, but Paul knows what he's talking about because he's had experience after experience where God took what seemed to be a horrible negative experience and made something positive out of it. You might remember that story. It's found in the 16th chapter of Acts. And Paul and Silas are on their way to Philippi. 
And on that way, they have a woman who's possessed by a spirit that gives her the ability to predict the future. And she starts following them around. And she's saying over and over, these people are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming a way of salvation to you. And she did this for two days constantly to the point that even though it might seem like a good billboard to have following you around, Paul got annoyed. And finally he just turns around and he casts the spirit out of her, which causes her to lose the gift of predicting the future. Well, she happened to be a slave, and her master was upset about that. She was making a lot of money for him. And so he has Paul and Silas dragged before the local authorities declaring that he's teaching a illegal religion. They are cast into a jail cell in the innermost cell it's described, which is the cell typically reserved for those who are going to die. They're placed in stocks. And then the scripture describes them at midnight singing hymns and praying. Can you picture yourself doing that in jail? And then at midnight, an earthquake hit, opening all the doors to the jail. The jailer sees it and fears his fate, and he pulls his sword to end his life for fear of what's going to come. And Paul stops him, lets him know that everybody is still there, nobody's left. And the result is he nurses the wounds that Paul and Silas, he brings them to his home and feeds them, and then his entire household is baptized. All this happened because Paul, instead of growing bitter at his rejection and unjust treatment, chose to find glory in it and see what the will of God might be. Just an end note, this is such a humorous story when you look at it. Paul refused to leave the jail until the local authorities, who had just set him free, came and personally escort them out, which would be a way to help restore his reputation and continue his preaching. Paul knew what he was doing. He knew how to use those rejections and he was rejection-proof. It tells us that rejection has an upside to it. I invite you to stop and think about all the opportunities you've had in your life where you've experienced rejection. And while it seemed horrible at the moment, somehow God used those because when he closed one door, he opened another or brought out something in you you never thought you had, and God blessed it. It's happened with a lot of great people. We could talk about Michael Jordan one of the probably top three NBA players of all time. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2009, and when he was giving his speech of acceptance at that award ceremony, he gave a 23-minute speech that you can still access online. It's a little controversial because he did a lot of complaining. He, he brought up all the opportunities that people had to reject him. It started with his high school basketball coach, his sophomore year, here's somebody who become one of the greatest players of all time, couldn't make the varsity his sophomore year. He went to college and had a room with another player who was chosen the Carolina Player of the Year over him. He got to the NBA, and the media seemed to always want to compare him to Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and, and, and explain that he wasn't quite as good as them. And on and on he went, sharing rejection after rejection, and he said these words, each rejection had put so much wood on that fire that it kept each and every day trying, kept me each and every day trying to get better as a basketball player. Or Tom Brady, I know, not your favorite player. 
But we have to admit, <clears throat> probably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Do you know that he was drafted 199th spot in the draft that he came out? Do your calculations. That's the sixth round. Today, there's only seven rounds in the NFL draft. He was barely picked. But he talks to this day how much that fueled his desire to become the best quarterback of all time, and he has had six Super Bowl wins. Or we could talk about Steve Jobs. You know, he was adopted. He was once told by a playmate that he was unwanted and abandoned. His biographer, Walter Jacobson, describes the experience that was for him that day. He was deeply shaken by that comment. Lightning bolts went off in his head. He rushed in crying to his mother, who assured him that they specifically selected him as their son. And he realized he was not abandoned, but chosen. And that shift in perspective became a core belief that fueled his drive to achieve to unprecedented creative heights. I've shared about my mother's suicide, how it impacted me, and for a while in my life, it was a drag on my self-esteem. I carried this unconscious feeling that I'd been abandoned by my mother, as children sometimes do. I assume that there must be something wrong with me if my mother would attempt to take her own life. But it was also in that counseling journey that I discovered that part of my calling in the ministry was because of that experience. I realized that because I couldn't fix my mother, I wanted to fix the world, and it kind of drove me in that direction. Matter of fact, they even have a name for it. It's called the Savior Complex. A lot of people who are pastors and a lot of people who are in the helping professions share this, so I'm not alone. The best way I could describe it for me is that since I couldn't fix my mother, I wanted to fix the world. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that it can get out of hand. Sometimes it can drive you to the point that you're trying to prove something to yourself and to others, and you end up sacrificing your own well-being and sometimes the well-being of your family. So I had to redefine that childhood rejection to retain the best of that calling and to utilize the empathy that it had instilled in me. But I had to let go of thinking that I'm the one that can save anybody. That's God's job. That's all that God can do that. But when I think about the opportunities, and when I even think about that, it's kind of ironic that it was a somewhat unhealthy thing that was partial to my calling into ministry, I will still celebrate that every day because of all the opportunities it's given to me. The people that come into my life that have challenged me and inspired me, the experiences that I would never have had if it wasn't for this profession. I cannot help but celebrate that my rejections in life were used by God to fuel my calling into ministry. Well, to wrap up this series, I think it's just only fitting that we go back to Paul's words here in that fifth chapter of Romans, where he talks about that God, through his son, experienced the ultimate rejection of this world. And how he took that and turned it into a tremendous victory. And we can talk about what happened on that cross and how God brings salvation. We call that theories of the atonement. There's actually at least seven different theories if you want to split hairs. Some group them into three, but... But the one that probably speaks the most to me, I think it takes all of them to fully understand this mystery, but it's called Christus Victor. 
Christ the victor from the Latin. It suggests that God came in the flesh as Jesus and he walked this earth and he showed us how to live as the kingdom of, part of the kingdom of God. And he was willing to, as part of that to challenge evil wherever he saw that. Matter of fact, that's what got him in trouble. And certainly that culminated in evil coming together to put him on the cross. But we know that's not the final word. Because a couple days later is resurrection, new life. And so the cross, which is truly a negative experience, a rejection that is more of a rejection than probably anything that could ever happen to us in this life, is now a symbol of hope because it reminds us that no longer does death or evil or rejection of any kind have the final say in our life. We have that same power when we embrace the faith of Jesus Christ. We can become rejection-proof, just like the Apostle Paul. With Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are provided the power to face our rejections. It enables us to learn from our rejections, and it's able to help us see how God can use our rejections to fuel us, to live into the dreams that God has for us and for this world. Let's pray. Lord, as we complete this series, we hope that if there's anyone still dealing with a rejection in their life, that they're able to hand it over to you, to redefine it, to not see it as an ultimate judgment on who they are, but know that you are their Lord, and therefore we are your children. May that be embraced so that we can face the challenges that will come, because certainly rejection is a part of this life. This we ask through Christ who is our